Good morning, everyone. Running with the Giants, and we're continuing on with our theme. Last week, Pastor Adam talked about God's giants, and he picked on Jacob. And from that giant of faith, we learned that when life is not going the way you hoped, let God have control. And when you let God have control, you'll get new strength, new identity, and new joy as He changes you from the inside out. And the boys back there are working on lighting, I do believe. Mm hmm. <laughs> uh, if you're joining us online, we just want to uh, thank you for joining. We're in the building here. At 249 Bruce Street. Notice that. In the building. Because the church is a living thing, and they're meeting in the building at 249 Bruce Street. And we're here to edify and encourage you and support you, one another, in an overflowing relationship in Jesus Christ. That's what you as a congregation have been doing marvelously these past number of weeks. I noticed that after the service, people tarry. People have coffee. People have water. People have light. <laughs> and people have fellowship. Because true service actually doesn't take place from a speaker speaking to you. True service takes place when we dismiss from this place. If you're following along with us, we ask you to just tune in on you version. Hey, they're getting brighter and brighter, and that's a good thing. Let me pray. Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O God, Lord, may your anointing flow and minister through my mind and my heart, and your Holy Spirit take those things that you've put upon my heart to speak and empower them to the ears of your hearers this morning that would strike a note in their hearts. And we thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Our series... Running with the giant springs board off this verse right here from Isaiah. And we're getting it up. <laughs> nope. Well, I'm going to do this. Therefore, that's the one. Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, the giants of the faith, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Uh, and it's completing the race that's important as we had a couple of our ladies run the marathon and completing the race, way to go, congratulations. <laughs> Yes, and Pastor Adams used John Maxwell's thought in this verse. He said, what if they ran a lap with you? What would they say to you in running that lap? 
And as I was reading and surmising here, I thought about chapter 11, uh, because that's where all the faith heroes are mentioned. And as I looked at that, none of those giants of the faith thought that they were anything great. They just thought they were normal, everyday people seeking after God. I believe that's exactly what they were, but they became giants of the faith because they sought after God. So that puts us in that same place. How do you... Hey, I went from page one to page four. <laughs> Here is the lesson that we're trying to uh, portray this morning. An encounter with God changes everything. And these are lessons from Isaiah's life. Now, Isaiah was a prophet of God, and he was a priest of God. He's called a major prophet, not because he uh, was major than all the other prophets, simply because the writings that he wrote were so thick compared to the minor prophets. And that's how they divided them up, major prophets and minor prophets. But Isaiah's job was to uh, be God's spokesman to the people and to be the spokesman of the people to God. Now, Isaiah was a prophet during four kings. First king we're going to read about here, Uzziah, or sometimes referred to as Azariah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah. And it's just interesting to note that uh, we're going to read this scripture, and uh, it's Uzziah, the first king, and that passes away. And the prophet is in turmoil. He seeks God. He, 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 his, his world's just turned upside down, and he's trying to make sense of it all. And I'm going to let you in on a little secret here as he's trying to make sense of it all the loss of the first king in his life. And God is going to meet with him. And there's things that we're going to go through, but the worst king Judah ever was to see was in Isaiah's lifetime. His name, Ahaz. Ahaz was so bad, he sacrificed not just to other gods, he sacrificed his son to other gods. And when he died, the Jewish people would not allow him to be buried with the kings in Jerusalem. And you got to be bad not to be buried with the rest of the kings. And I see this start here as we are going to go through this scripture in Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 to 4. And, and the scripture says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were the seraphim, and they were calling to one another, Holy, Holy, Holy 
is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. And at the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. We have three big truths that I'm going to share here. And this is the first big truth that we see out of Uzziah, out of Isaiah. Our greatest pain can be the catalyst for our greatest gain. I heard a quote from Tony Robbins that I've always remembered. Until the pain of change is greater than the pain of remaining the same, change will never happen. And I'll say that again. It says, until the pain of remaining the same is greater than the pain I'm sorry, until the, the pain of change is greater than the pain of remaining the same, change will never take place. And some of you have been through that pain. You've sacrificed through that pain. You know what that pain was like. I, mothers in the congregation, you know what pain is like. You know what you endure going through that pain because you want that child. You, you, you want that baby. Pain. Now, they say I can relate to childbirth because I've had kidney stones a few times. And that's not a pleasant pain, and I didn't see anything coming out of that that was any good unless you wanted to gravel a driveway, which I didn't. I was a third-year apprentice at a place called Bruce A, Unit 3. I'd just been transferred to a brand-new crew. There were 2,000 electricians on the construction site at Bruce A as we were building it. 2,000. The nice thing was, every three months, all the apprentices got transferred to a new crew. We learned something new. And we'd been doing that for five years during my apprenticeship. I was in my third year. Transferred to a brand new crew, and this brand new crew was installing lights. And some of you have worked there. There are a lot of lights. And my job that morning was with my journeyman. On elevation 615, there was a scaffold going up. And uh, I was just simply to go up and lower down the light. And then we were going to tube it. 6.15, I was probably 20 feet in the air, over top of the crane bay hole that goes down to uh, 591 elevation, maybe 40, 45 feet, and wasn't afraid of heights. The older I get, the more afraid of heights I get. I probably can identify with a few of you. And back in the day, I had a double D safety belt. So... My double D safety belt, I was clipped off on this side, wrapped it around a steel beam on my left side and attached back behind. I could put my feet on cable pan and I picked up this eight foot fixture and I set it down one end of the length of the chain. And at the other end, I grabbed a hold and I had the chain and I was simply going 
I was doing the heebie-jeebie. I was stuck. I couldn't talk. I couldn't move. I looked down at my journeyman who was talking and he looked up at me. He thought I was joking and carried on talking. He looked back up. He yelled. And he started to run toward the breaker panel. Somehow I dropped the fixture and fell back on the cable pan. Rescue team came, put me on a stretcher, lowered me down. They had the ambulance back in. I got a free ride to the hospital. Baby finger, baby finger made contact inside the fixture. And, and one of the problems of electricity is the lights are actually going on. 60 times a second, alternating current. And they're going on and off so fast that your eyes can't pick it up. And that's why we do 60 cycles. The problem is, if you get a touch of electricity and it goes through you, your heart, up to 24 hours after getting a shock, can pick up that heartbeat and want to beat 60 times a second. Ah, uh, so uh, they finally let me out. See, first time working with a journeyman, and out of all that, OPG came out with a ruling. Check for your own protection. And every apprentice has that right now to check for their own protection. That breaker, my journeyman told me, was off. There was to be no power there. Check for your own protection. In fact, the truth that I learned through that pain was check it out for yourself. That's already a good word for this morning. Through your pain, through your pain we feel in situations can be the catalyst for our greatest gains. I learned that truth. But pain can also come from making poor decisions. Pain can also come from circumstances that are out of our control. Pain comes because of circumstances we ourselves got into. And then we turn to God, God... <laughs> Help. Help. You have a pain in your tooth, what do you do? <laughs> I go see a dentist. If I have a pain in my body, what do I do? You go see a doctor. But there is a pain that comes in your heart that you have to go to the specialist. And there's only one specialist that deals with the pain of heart. His name is Jesus Christ. And he's the only one that you can turn to in those times to be healed and to be ministered to. Go to the one who specializes in the pain of heart. 
So in the midst of your pain, in the midst of your circumstance, do what Isaiah did and call out to God. But that comes to point number two. When we see God clearly, we see ourselves clearly. How do you have an encounter with God? Well, Isaiah, in chapter 6 again at verse 5, Isaiah says this, Woe to me, I cried, I'm ruined, for I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King of glory. Isaiah could not help himself as God came to answer the call of his own heart God is love, but God is also light. We all know that. And where he dwells, darkness has to flee. When you come to God, you will not be in darkness because darkness has to flee. But when you come into light... Everything gets exposed. Now, many of you know I've had three operations on my right eye now. I won't bore you with the gory details, but I have found that every time that they took me into that surgery room, three different surgery rooms for three different operations, one thing was common in all, this great, big, huge light. What's the light for? The light in the surgery room exposes and lets them see so significantly. You've all sat in a dentist chair. What do they do? Turn on the light to look in your mouth because they want to see those dark recesses of your mouth because the light reveals the flaw. Well, I'm going to rest here just for a moment. One of the things that I can do for all of you, and in fact, we all do very, very well, is justify ourselves. I have a right to feel the way that I do. Do you know what they have said to me? Do you know what they have done? They just haven't treated me right. And we've all been there. And we can go one and to the next one and to the next one and to the next one. And everyone in the room would all agree, oh, yeah, that's just terrible. Then I find myself coming into the light of Jesus Christ. And I'm humbled. Because as I look at him, and the things I've held against other people, all I am seeing is his grace, his mercy, his love. And I feel guilty because I felt justified to all of you, but I'm not justified to him. And if I'm not justified to him, then 
You don't need to agree with me. I just need to get right with him. And we've all been there. The light. The light exposes those flaws inside our lives. But here's the thing. In your pain, call upon God. And as you call upon God in your pain, he's going to come to you. But don't get all upset about what you see inside yourself. Don't turn away and walk away because of what you see inside yourself. Oh, I, I don't measure up. I've got sin in my life. Because God doesn't expose sin in your life to leave you like that. Isn't that great? He doesn't want to leave you like He wants to make you aware of what's going on inside your life, but He's got a plan all the way. And in fact, that brings us to Isaiah chapter 6, verse 6 to 8. It says, Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he'd taken tongs from off the altar. When he touched my mouth and said, See, this is what has touched your lip. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. And then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And I said, Here am I, Lord. Send me. You see, God removes our past so he can redeem our future. The one who is and was and forevermore shall be is changing from who we are and who we were to who we shall be in Christ. Now, Isaiah the prophet says in our very first verse, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. I've pondered and thought about that. I saw the Lord. What did he see? We read the book of Revelation, what the heavenly throne is like. We see and hear 24 elders falling down and worshiping and saying, praise be to Jesus, worthy is the Lamb. We see seraphims and cherubims falling down, crying out, Holy, holy, holy. And such a sound of music in courses, in worship, and praise to the King of kings and to the Lord of lords. We all see that picture. We, we, we see what heaven is like and full of light. And yet, this Old Testament prophet was seeing mountain 
rooftop experiences. He couldn't see the valleys in between. He couldn't see what was coming. And Isaiah's broken before as Uzziah passes. His nation is in sin. We read chapter 1. Sinful ways. They're not right with God. And Isaiah is just heartbroken because now a good king that was on his side trying to get the people to follow God has passed. And yet, he says, I saw the Lord. I saw the Lord. And in fact, what else did he see when he saw the Lord? Because he writes, he writes, though your sin be as scarlet, so though your sin be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. I pondered this and pondered this. Could it be that Isaiah saw the high priest after the order of Melchizedek going in with the blood of the Lamb to apply to the mercy seat, to apply for the atonement of sin for the world? Because he pens those words, though your sin be as scarlet, it shall be white as snow. And I would say to you, <laughs> he must have got a glimpse of that heavenly sacrifice taking place and knowing, and knowing assuredly inside his heart, there's atonement, there's atonement. And Isaiah finds himself saying, oh, I'm cleansed. The pain you're going through, there's only one way to deal with it. Look to Jesus. Call on him. He is still in the business of healing the brokenhearted, accepting burdens, and is faithful Leave with him, strengthening the weak, making the blind to see, and making the lame to walk. Jesus is still working in our hearts and inside our lives. And in fact, what is the lesson that we can learn from the prophets? There's just a few pointers I just want to put out here. Isaiah wants to hand the baton to you. That baton. He wants to say, it is your turn to run. And the voice of God will speak right to you. Ah, oh, first of all, God wants to reveal more of himself to you. There's nothing more that the church could do but encourage one another to keep 
looking to Jesus. Isaiah again says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. And in fact, Jeremiah says, You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. What's the key here? Go all in. But I want to tell you, if you give God your baby finger, he'll take your baby finger and he will go right into your heart where it counts. If you want to give him your hand, give him your hand because he'll take your hand all the way through your heart. It's the surrendering of the heart in anything you do. I'm going to be honest with you this morning. I'm always terrified to come to a pulpit. Somebody says, well, you've been doing this for years and years and years. Honestly, I'm never comfortable. Do I say yes? Yes. You individual that have smoke, that have spoke here, you know, there's a fear upon you. And he says, well, I'll pray the fear be gone, one of my friends. And I said, no, no. I'm fearful because I want God to use me. And so being fearful of the Lord, being able to work and minister through me is a good thing because I do not feel adequate in myself. That's why I surrender my life over to God. He wants to change you, is the second point we find. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sin be like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are as red as crimson, they shall be white like wool. If you are willing and obedient, you will eat the best of the land. Peter in the New Testament writes, Like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment now that you've tasted of the Lord's kindness. I just encourage you, take the next steps. Even small steps in the right direction to him are better than no steps. And thirdly, God has an assignment for you. There's not a person that God does not save. He's got something for you to do. Isaiah again, 60, verse 1 to 3, Arise, shine, for the light has come and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth and thick darkness is over all the people. But the Lord rises upon you and in his glory appears upon you. Nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn. And again, for we are God's masterpieces. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do good things he has planned for us long ago. Again, 
I don't feel adequate. I never feel fully prepared to do what God is asking me to do. And I tell you, that's a good thing because I need to rely upon Jesus. But now I have to turn that question. What's he asking you to do? See, he, he doesn't call us into his presence just to say, oh, good, good, you came. He calls us to prepare to use us. In your pain, come to him, and the light will reveal what needs to be confessed so that he can use us. I remember when I asked Jesus Christ to be my Lord and Savior. I was not from a Christian background whatsoever. And the fellow that was with me said, <laughs> actually, he says, well, let's bow and you can ask Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. I bowed my head. He bowed his head. And there was a minute silence. Seemed like eternity. He looked up and looked. And I looked at him. And he said to me, Don, would you like me to lead you in a sinner's prayer? And I said to Mike, I've never prayed in my whole life. And so you better show me or, or I'll repeat after you because I, I, I don't have a clue. And he simply prayed a prayer that said, Jesus, thank you for loving me the way that I am. Huh. I confess that I'm a sinner. You've exposed me as I've come to you. But Lord, thank you for your cleansing blood that cleanses me from within. Jesus, I ask that you would come and sit and rule and reign in my heart and my life. I had my eyes closed as I was praying that. And I had a vision. Like, I'm not spiritual whatsoever. I'd never have a spiritual encounter. I didn't know God. I, I hadn't heard any of this before. When I prayed that prayer with my eyes closed, I seen this hand come out of the sky with a white handkerchief. And I watched as the hand pushed the handkerchief in the middle of my head. And he pulled it out my feet. And when he pulled it out of my feet, the handkerchief was as black as black could be. And I felt so clean inside. And I knew that I knew that I knew Jesus Christ had come and taken residence in my heart and in my life. 
And if you're here with us this morning and you've never made that request of Jesus, I just encourage you, do that. And perhaps even as I was sharing, you said those little words inside your mind, inside your heart. That's a good thing. We always encourage you to take a card from the back of the seat and fill it out so that we can help you, that we can follow up. And sometimes I know that that's hard. That's hard to do. Do I have any board members here? Would the board members please stand for a moment? Just stand. We have a number of board members. Prayer warriors, Johnny. Prayer warriors that come to the prayer meetings. Can you stand? Prayer warriors that have been at the altar praying with people. Can you stand? I can't see very well. Yes. 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 There's a few more. Thank you. I'm going to ask the whole congregation to stand. I wanted you to see those individuals because if you're here the first time this morning, maybe you would rather just talk to an individual and say, I I want to make that commitment. I want to follow up. I encourage you just tap one of them or fill out one of those cards and go back to the back to take the next steps because we just want to encourage you to do that. We are concluding this service, in fact, this meeting at 249 Bruce Street. That's where we are right now in this building. But one of the most beautiful things takes place right now, and actually, you who are watching online don't get to see it because it's an experience. We close this part of the meeting and this congregation fellowships. They encourage one another. They talk. They laugh. Encouraging one another in like faith to have an overflowing relationship with Jesus Christ. And so upon that note, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you and may his peace that passes understanding be your portion this week. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, God bless you. You're dismissed.